Hi everybody and welcome to episode 6 of the Threads of Autism podcast. Today's episode is titled Telling Your Child They Are Autistic and School Visits. Firstly, of course, I need to apologize profusely for my 26th of May episode that actually didn't get released or published until, I don't know, four or five days ago. (laughs) It was all scheduled, you know, future date on the techie side here. And I mean, I am so technologically challenged, so really this isn't a surprise. Um, You know, so schedule the date and click save, but apparently you have to click publish as well, even though you're not kind of publishing it right then and there. It's to make sure it does publish on the date in the future that you set. So yes, um, sorry about that. And uh, I guess no bad thing since we've all just had to get through a half term and who would even have a nanosecond to listen to anything for themselves during half term. So um, so yes, you can catch up on two perhaps in the next week or so. So right, um, firstly, right, just to say that this podcast is absolutely not about telling you what you should be doing and bombarding you with information and making you feel guilt for things that you're not doing and things that you don't maybe know or hadn't heard of. This podcast is purely for you to listen to somebody who knows what you live. It's like sitting on the sofa having a chin wag to your mate for 20 minutes, Um, whether that's whinging, crying, raging, celebrating, laughing hysterically. any of those, you know, or all of those at once. That's that's what this podcast is about. Something to resonate with, something to feel less isolated about. I don't ever want to tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing or when is the right time or when isn't when it comes to telling your child they're autistic. So basically prepping you for the fact that you're not actually going to get any answers here. <laughs> um, you know, just know that your opinion matters. And, you know, there's too much. We're so bogged down with social media and and things like hundreds of podcasts out there that I think you often come away feeling a bit sort of bogged down, tired, exhausted, um, in a bad mood. And um, I don't, I absolutely don't want that. So, right, obviously there is no good time to tell your child they're autistic. And I'm not going to tell you um, any kind of advice or personal stories either because I don't have one. I actually will make a point of asking the parents that I have on as guests in the future um, to share their journey or their their story on that front. And um, that will actually be quite an interesting little maybe initial icebreaker for each each guest that I have on the show when I've worked out the tech. I think from my perspective, the most important thing is for the parents to – to reach that state of acceptance, that sort of unconditional acceptance where you embrace and when you where you are able to find positivity and where you can lean into hope and absolutely have the confidence to know that your child is autistic, it does not define them, it is what it is and you find the positives and you know that they are going to develop in their own time and own way and that it's going to be okay. And that comes to parents at different stages with different children. I'm sure there are parents out there who have more than one autistic child, those children being completely different from each other, their autism presenting in completely different ways, one accepting, one not, one they've told, one they haven't. You know, uh, 
there is no answer to this and there is no right time. I think it's a very personal decision. I think it's very, you know, I mean, also there's, there's usually <laughs> two parents involved who equally might have their own opinions and are, are in their own stages of this autism journey um, anyway. And to just not feel guilty about it. You know, it depends on the child. It depends on the family. It depends on the parents. It depends on the school. Um, and I used to be so shocked about parents who would, you know, I had a mum come up to me. I was at a market with my Autism Threads stand selling my t-shirts and accessories. And I have a wonderful caption t-shirt that says on the back, um, it's got my tagline in, in small print, which says living life with autism, because we are all living our lives with autism in it, whether we're aware of it or not. And the caption basically reads, crowded, noisy places can make me anxious. Thanks for understanding. It's a wonderful, wonderful, supportive t-shirt um, and visual cue to others. And um, who know that they could just make small adjustments to, to make your child feel safer and happier and more regulated. And this woman was right, right, I want this t-shirt, but I don't want the word autism anywhere. And so I was like, um, okay, well, it's it's in small print on the back there, one word, and it's it's my logo on the front, tiny little, you know, pocket on the front, um, autism threads. So I, I don't really, I mean, I wasn't going to offer to print her a t-shirt just for her with no autism on it, because to me, that's not what this is about. And okay, so she's not ready for that journey yet or she hasn't reached that part of her journey yet and I know there are parents out there many who who know their children are autistic but will say things like um, we don't mention that word in our house it's not talked about and they haven't told the school and they don't mention it to their child obviously and whilst that used to shock me I am I am my child is not mainstream. I'm not in that that world. And now I totally get it. You know, autism is so badly perceived out there in the general public. And if your child is in a mainstream environment, and again, one mainstream environment might be totally different to the next one. And um, it can be a very difficult place to be. So um, it's okay. It's absolutely okay. You know, um, you as the parents need to feel ready for it and you have to have worked out whether or not you feel your child is ready for it. Um, perhaps they'll ask questions and you can go from there. You know, I guess the daunting task of how do we explain this and, you know, um, I think people out there assume that we're going to literally like land this verdict on them like a jail sentence and go, oh my gosh, you know, all doom and gloom. But that that side of the autism journey is the things the parents go through about getting their child's needs met and all of those difficulties and frustrations. It's not about the autism diagnosis in itself because that's an, a wonderfully illuminating thing um, to finally have something to explain your differences, something to go on, something positive to work with, to start to understand your own brain, um, its potential. Um, it's fantastic, you know, and... Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I hear all sorts of stories all the time and put it this way, and you, you know, no matter how well it's going for you now, whether you've told your child or not, you're not going to come through the teens unscathed. Um, and if by some bizarre 
twist of fate you do, I think you probably will have then maybe a 25-year-old who comes back home and says it's all your fault and um, blames you for telling them or not telling them they were autistic as well. So, um, so yeah, we're duped, you know. <laughs> but um, that's not terribly positive and it does need to be and it can be a wonderfully positive thing. And so much is changing in today's world. Um, I could only say to perhaps not be so fearful of online friendships, particularly in the autistic community. Um, it's a wonderful place to find friendships without any of the actual face-to-face -face engagement and environmental sensory issues that go on. Um, yes, it takes time. Yes, there are some pretty crazy stories, groups, whatever out there. I'm sure it, it is scary, but I think when they know themselves and they know how their brain is wired and they find who they connect with online, I think that can be a very, in today's world, a very, very positive and powerful thing, a feeling of belonging and that you're not alone um, for them, you know, as individuals. And again, obviously for the parents, a, a, a crucial factor in this whole autism acceptance journey is finding the right school for your child, which is typically where you will then find your tribe of parents and friends and other families um, who live what you live. You know, we, we personally, on, on, in our family, we haven't told Henry he's autistic, but I you know, absolutely would if I could. And, um, and certainly, I mean, I'm sure, he, I think he's aware, you know, I mean, he's, he's forever... <laughs> introduced as hi this is Henry he is autistic and I think he's very aware that he's different to the rest of his family but on on a very sort of I'm the rock star here and you guys are just absolute idiots and you need to catch up you know I mean I, I think he's just he just cannot believe what he has to deal with <laughs> with all of us and this idiotic world um, that doesn't work according to the way his brain does and certainly when we're out and about, I think Henry is entirely focused on himself and his visual and where he's going. Um, I don't think, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get to have conversations with my son. Um, if he feels the stares and the looks that people give him, I don't know. Um, I certainly know that his siblings, only now in their late teens, young adulthood, are noticing it and feeling it. Um, my daughter in particular feels the strain I go through emotionally um, with those looks and stares in public as a parent. So um, that's been relatively new and quite difficult for her. Um, but, you know, we didn't actually sit Henry's siblings down when he was diagnosed, you know, eight years ago to say, now listen, your brother's autistic. Um, we waited for them to ask the questions and, you know, it's one of my favorite things about his siblings. They, they, <laughs> I mean, I don't think my son Ben, who's now 20, ever asked anything. Obviously the word autism came up and was discussed in the home and just became it, what it is. Um, I do remember my daughter asking when she was much younger, we had some friends around for a play date, this mum's eldest child was Henry's age and she had a little 18 month old and a baby as well and um, Abigail then saying to me oh you know wow once they'd left you know um, Jess's children are really really advanced <laughs> 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 I 
because and it was just I mean how stunning is that I you know I need to remind myself of these things more often I mean in her mind hers and Ben's mind their brother is their brother that's it it's, it's 100% unconditional they have no concerns for his future or where he is at academically he is just their brother he is the only you know for Abigail he is the only younger sibling she's ever had and that's was her benchmark she just assumed they were all like Henry um, until she met some more neurotypical ones and and it was just fascinating she didn't say what's wrong with Henry she said they're really advanced and it oh, it's just lovely isn't it so yeah I guess just always look on the bright side if you can which which you won't always be able to do <laughs> and some of the books I'll go on to talk about um, I haven't read all of them but I have sort of collected them over the years on social media from uh, people I follow whose opinions I kind of value and I'm sure there are hundreds of others out there and again go go to the support groups um, do your research and um, find the books that work for you you know um, whether it's it's something you want to read as a parent um, and then pass on to your child um, I'd highly recommend that actually in all instances or whether it's really from a young age and a, and a children's book that you want to have on your shelf at home and read with read with your child and you know you can also um, go on to things like if, if you're in my area and I'm sure that they're you know one of the aut autism trusts so where I live there is the Kent Autistic Trust they have a family liaison officer for varying age groups of children on the spectrum you can approach that liaison officer ask to be added to her email list um, there are hundreds and hundreds, I mean, I, I'm, I'm venturing into the thousands of parents on these email lists. Um, and you can put out friendship requests, you can put out um, looking for respite, you know, PAs in the holidays requests. You can also put out requests for parents' opinions on schools. And again, on, on a book, has, it, has, has anyone in this listing, you know, found a great book that's helped explain autism to their child? Um, and they will send those out on your behalf and you will get some wonderful, you know, experienced, educated responses back. So two of the little uh, children's books I'm going to recommend. One is called A Different Kind of Brilliant by Louise Cummins. And the second one is called The Brain Forest, which is by Sandhya Menon, which is a great one for explaining neurodiversity. Um, I will put all of these names and authors in the show notes in case you need to um, check on spellings and things. And a few other books, perhaps for older children or parents. Um, one is called We're Not Broken, uh, Changing the Autism Conversation by Eric Garcia. Another one is called Changing Our Minds, How Children Can Take Control of Their Own Learning by Naomi Fisher. She's a great one to follow on social media and um, especially if you're homeschooling. Uh, fantastic, fantastic woman. Uh, another one would be called Lost at School by Ross W. Green. Um, that was recommended by Pete Warmby. I don't know if anybody follows him on social media or Twitter. And two more for the teens. Um, one is called Queerly Autistic by Erin Ekins which is a fantastic book for the LGBTQIA uh, community and teenagers on the spectrum. And the final one is a great one for girls, and it's called Difference Not Less 
by Chloe Hayden, who is an Australian actor or actress and is fantastic. It's quite a recent book. Um, it's one I have read. Mums, I would recommend reading it before you hand it over to your daughters. There are some pretty hardcore chapters in there um, dealing with eating disorders and things, but, um, but really fantastic. So yeah, moving on to school visits, and I will largely be focusing on obviously um, autism specialist school visits, but that's not to say, you know, you can do a lot of preparation for a mainstream as well. Um, obviously they have their open days, but if you are planning on making them aware of your child's diagnosis, I would absolutely request an appointment or meeting or visit to the school SENCO, a visit, actual visit to their learning support department. And if that mainstream school, especially for a primary to secondary change, does not offer a really solid transition period to your child, then I would really think twice. Um, they absolutely can do and should have a process in place where they invite your child to visit the school on their own in the holidays, um, you know, help them through a social story, learning how to catch the bus, where that bus will arrive, where they will line up, which classroom they will go into, where the learning support department is, where they can go if they need some quiet space. Um, that's absolutely essential, you know, a proper planned transition. And um, I think that's really, really important. And I would definitely think twice um, if they didn't offer such a thing or certainly ask or request it. Um, introduce it to them. <laughs> what could be more important? Primary to secondary is hugely daunting experience. And again, you know, different mainstream schools will have different setups in terms of learning support. So absolutely, do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. And in terms of specialist schools, obviously, from the local authorities point of view or your council, um, they will be looking to place your child first and foremost, in a state mainstream. One, because it's the cheapest, but two, <laughs> because it is their duty to actually see your child in the most positive um, academic potential, um, you know, future outcomes light. That, that's really important. And so they will start with where they um, can achieve and reach their fullest potential. Uh, from there, you will typically end up looking at an autism unit attached to a mainstream. These tend to be at the primary level. And again, those, main, those autism units um, need the children to be accessing the mainstream part of the school for a part of their day in order for that school to receive funding for that autism unit. Um, I think your visit should definitely make sure whether or not their OTs and SLTs are permanent in-house staff or not. Um, again, um, you know, stepping back a bit, I'm obviously assuming that you all know that obviously to visit any of these specialist schools, you cannot get an appointment to visit them unless you have obtained the Holy Grail um, EHCP document for your child. They will not allow you to visit unless your child has an EHCP. And know also that many of these schools have lengthy wait lists, even for a school visit, for six, ten months. It's, it's crazy. 
um, your you, you've you know you've got your EHCP. The local authority will now be coming, um, giving you a list of schools that they will be referring to for placements. Those will be within your county, and they will be state provisions only. You are entitled to seek schools elsewhere outside of county, and you are entitled to seek independent schools, specialist schools, and those funds and fees will all be covered by the local authority. You will just need to be proving that this specific school of your choice is the only one that can meet your child's needs. So you absolutely do, and it actually helps speed things up a bit if you know what that preference of school is already. Um, pretty tough when you're still waiting to get an EHCP and they won't let you visit, but there's an awful lot of research and homework you can do on school websites and again, on those um, parent email lists where, um, you know, the autism trusts um, have parent support groups and get, get people's opinions. And, you know, absolutely read those websites, specialist school websites from cover to cover. Um, know whether or not they follow the national curriculum. Know whether or not they can mix their age groups between classes. Know how many classes they have. Know whether or not the, you know, how big those learning support, not learning support, sorry, uh, speech and language departments are, you know, how often they visit the class, um, how many teaching assistants, staff turnovers, um, and again, you know, on your school visit when you get to go, those are the things you will be looking to ask. And don't be sort of put off, you know, you, sometimes you hear about schools coming back and saying, no, we don't think your child is a right fit, they're not criticizing your child specifically or you and saying you've you've pitched for totally the wrong school here, darling. Um, they are saying it because it's really super important and it makes perfect sense. You know, they've got to find the right fit for the pupils that are currently in that class. These are very small numbers, typically no more than eight, and they have to have the right fit for a new pupil coming in so that the whole equilibrium of the class doesn't get disrupted. And they tend to be genuinely honest about that, obviously, because it's in their best interest to make sure that the pupils fit together properly. So just because they don't feel they have a space available now um, and that your child isn't the right fit doesn't mean that that won't be the case in a couple of years' time or they introduce a new class or there are more than one classes or classrooms. So um, don't give up, you know. Uh, lean into that precious thing called hope. <laughs> And, and the school visit's so essential because it's, it's that classical parental gut feel, you know, it, it really is super, super important. And I think also have, have an open mind, you know, it seems so bizarre to me now that I actually, way back when, and um, went to see an autism unit and remember having concerns thinking my son is going to pick up all these strange mannerisms from these other weird little kids. I mean, <laughs> I cannot believe that that was my thought. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. It really is nuts because in today's world, no one has stranger mannerisms than Henry himself. <laughs> and, and we don't think anything of them. And nothing could be further from the truth. Honestly, they are not going to become more autistic by being in an autism unit. It's just... I don't know, but I mean, I was I was there. I was that parent. I was that naive. I didn't know. It's what you hear, you know, at the school gates of the of the neurotypical schools. And 
I was concerned. How bizarre. Um, you know, you see your child for who they are and as they are and total acceptance. And then again, you know, I've rolled forward. Henry is now 12. He is in a part residential school. Um, so he couldn't even cope in an autism unit attached to a mainstream. Um, when I had, you know, very smartly written on section A, oh, we see no, no reason why Henry won't mainstream for secondary if he gets, if he's getting all this wonderful SLT and OT in the unit. I mean, <laughs> talk about seeing your child in the most positive light. Um, so Henry is 12. He's still nonverbal. He's in a part residential school that I will mm, dedicate an episode to. Um, gosh, what a journey that has been, is been, still is. It, it will sometimes shock you to visit a school. And again, it's super essential that the school visit happens during a normal day. You've got to see the pupils and the staff and the TAs and the interaction and know that your child can cope um, with some of the noises and the environment. Um, and, you know, it is difficult. You go and visit a residential school where there are some profoundly highly highly autistic individuals and you don't sort of straight away see that in your your own child because he's your child and yet actually my child isn't to somebody who doesn't know my child and is visiting the school and saw Henry riding his bike around the little garden um they might feel the same way you know and Henry stimming or making one of his unusual noises that their child doesn't make you know you really, really do have to have an open mind. And um, yeah, I, I will dedicate an episode to that um, another time. So wrapping up school visits, don't forget you can go onto the um, Good Schools Guide, either online or buy the book for special educational needs, which will give you, you know, a vast array of schools. Um, start there find the schools, obviously search through parent groups and recommendations, look up their websites, get that school visit booked. And even if you think, you know, it's never going to come to be or um, it's your second, third option, I would highly recommend visiting a range of them. I wish I had done that previously um, so that you get an understanding of these different types of schools. You know, there are weekly residential schools, there are permanent residential 52 week a year schools there are all three combined plus day students in these schools it's not about you know what the whole school is it's about what your child is and how well they are going to fit into this environment how much it's going to do for them you know if your child struggles massively with transitions they could be a day pupil in a residential school because all the facilities are in-house the swimming pool the, the cycle tracks the everything you know so they're greatly reducing their transitions maybe maybe that's it for you and and another heads up on that front if if it is the residential option you're going to need the words waking day curriculum or 24 7 curriculum in your ehcp and you're going to need to be very specific about whether it's education or whether it's care because those two departments will fight like tooth and nail around those budgets about who's funding what because these are very 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 expensive schools um 
And two more little tidbits or tips before I leave. One is that you absolutely, as I've said before, can go out of county to look for the right school for your child and you can and will get transport with the carer if needed in the car for your child individually or in a, within a group of children on a small bus if you need it. There are rules kind of around the distance. I think I think it's meant to be no more than 90 minutes, but that's not. they don't consider traffic. It is pure distance, which is quite some distance. And, you know, again, if it, whether it can work around your family and your jobs and your work and your other children getting to school, etc. every day. And the final tidbit is to know that if you know the local authority are going out to a list of schools, they've given you, say, whatever, five schools um, that they are going to refer to for places and you already know that whatever, two, three of them, there's no way your child is going to that school. You can save a lot of time by approaching that school and saying, I know you have the paperwork for my child um, and that the local authority is referring to you for a place, but we are telling you as parents that we do not feel um, yours is the right school for our child. We have another preferred school and we're quite adamant that if he is offered, he or she is offered a place at your school, we will not accept. And then the school can go, oh my gosh, saves them so much time, so many meetings, trying to figure out whether they can or can't place your child. And they just simply reply to the LA and say, oh, no, no spaces or child's not right for the school. Um, I'm not going to say that's going to work in every instance. Sometimes the schools won't even let you speak to them. Um, but it's worth a try. <laughs> And uh, what, that's what we've got to do. We've got to keep fighting and keep trying. So I'm um, wishing you all the best for the next couple of weeks. Let's hope the weather holds and I will be back in a couple of weeks. 